BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, friends, thanks so much for listening to the podcast. And we want to make sure that you know about all the other exciting ways to get more exclusive content from The Bill Press Show. We're on Patreon. Did you know that? On Patreon. So to go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash BP show to get videos that nobody else gets. All we ask is five bucks a month and you get access to daily commentary. And every week we put up a special interview just for our Patreon subscribers. Hey, it's a great way to support progressive media and get your hands on some fun, new, exclusive content. Thanks so much for supporting the show by going to patreon.com slash BP show. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is the Bill Press Show live at youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show. Yeah, Donald Trump says, I don't know what the fuss is all about. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you what the fuss is all about. You're president of the United States, and you're siding with Russia over the United States. That's what the fuss is all about, Mr. President. America, love it or leave it, they used to say, huh? Time to say it to Donald Trump. Hello, hello, everybody. What do you say, the Bill Press Show live from our nation's capital? And our studio on Capitol Hill, right in the heart of the action. We were right in the middle of the action yesterday for sure, right here on Capitol Hill, uh, just uh, down the street from where Republicans, they, they were falling like dominoes yesterday, praising Donald Trump after he corrected one word from all of his lies and all of his gushing over Vladimir Putin in Helsinki. He corrected one word, and the Republicans were saying, oh, my God, what a hero. What a great job he did. Yeah, now we love him all over again. What a bunch of weenies, I'm telling you. And then we're down the heart of the action at the White House yesterday at the briefing where Sarah Huckabee Sanders saying Donald Trump has been tougher on Putin than anybody else, and he has called him out, and he has said from day one— that Russia interfered with the election. He's been the champion out there. Do these guys live in the real world? Do they live in the same universe that we do? I don't think so. So much to talk about. Here we go again. Another busy news day. Another day you are going to want to be part of uh, by sending us your comments on Twitter. At BP Show. At BP Show. So get ready to rock and roll on the news of the day. But first... This is the Full Court Press. Yes, indeed. Just a couple of other stories making news. Bill, let me ask you a question. Yes. When you go out to eat and they serve you like a glass of water or Diet Coke or whatever, do you drink out of a straw? (laughs) That's a very loaded question. I hate straws. Okay. And I, first, if somebody hands me a straw, I always give it back to them. Yeah, sure. 
And if a straw comes in my drink, uh -huh. which it often does, the first thing I do is I take the straw out and throw it away. Okay, all right. Well, no, I'm an anti-straw person. Uh, I hate straws. I'm with you. And here's the thing. You might not even have to worry about that for much longer here in Washington, D.C., because there is a new bill that is trying to be pushed through to try and get rid of plastic straws and oh. stirrers. Well, plastic is a different sort. Plastic for sure, but I'm against paper straws. Okay. So, I don't so, like uh, straws, period. Okay. Well, here's what they're saying. Period. <laughs> period. Uh, plastic straws are trying to ban in Washington, oh, yeah. D.C., yeah. Uh, but all, but the paper straws like, they say are Star Starbucks just did right. I mean yeah, yeah like they've yeah. got those paper straws yeah. which I don't right. think are very effective at what they do. But also but the point that they make is those are at least compostable. You can take those and like they're mm -hmm. a lot e they're a lot better for the environment right. than say the plastic straws. No. But there is a bill that would make it illegal for any food service entity to sell, use, or provide a plastic straw or stirrer. With any food or beverage, unless the straw or stirrer is made of material that can be composted. So, not only is this a straw that goes in, like, your iced tea <laughs> or a Coke, but if you get a cocktail, those little tiny no, stirrers, no. those would no. be outlawed as well. I mean, I know this is a broader discussion, more than you wanted to know about this, but <laughs> I, I just like, also, if I'm drinking something cold, I like the feel of yeah. it on my lips. Yes. Right? I don't want it just in some antiseptic... <laughs> Oh, yes, no. exactly. No, I right. hate it. Well, so you might not have that problem for much longer. By the way, congratulations to Texas. Uh, Texas. Texas. Turns out Texas has used, they set an all-time record for electricity usage. Because it's hot out there, and all of them are using their electricity. Yesterday, between 4 and 5 p.m., they averaged 72,192 megawatts. That is a record. High? They, a record high? A record high. This is not something to be proud of. No, no, no. I'm just saying they're number one in, yeah. in energy usage. That's a new record. Take their air conditioners away. <laughs> This is the Bill Press Show. Hey, how about it? For the third day in a row, Donald Trump has tried to walk back the walk back and then walk back the walk back of the walk back. He cannot get the damn thing straight, no matter how hard he tries. It was a disaster. You just got to accept that. There ain't no way to fix it. It's too late, Donnie baby. Hey, hello, everybody. What do you say? Here we go. Uh, it is the Bill Press Show here on a Thursday, Thursday, July 19. So good to see you today. We welcome you to the program. Thank you for joining us. Uh, it's good to have you part of the crowd, part of the team, and our most important guest here on the Bill Press Show all across this great land of ours. Isn't it great? We're with you uh, on the West Coast. We're with you in the Plains. We're with you in the Southwest. We're with you in the Deep South and uh, the Far North and the Middle Atlantic and the Rust Belt. And you got it. America Strong, The Bill Press Show, online on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show, on the radio, statewide in Indiana, on Indiana Talks, and, oh, man, Chicago all over the greater Chicago area, WCPT, hello, 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 and on Free Speech TV nationwide as well. Thanks so much for joining us. And remember, as part of the program, your job is to send us uh, your comments on Twitter. Tell us what you think about the news of the day. 
uh, at BP Show, at BP Show. Uh, before we get to Donald Trump and Russia again, uh, important news from the West Coast. How about this? Yesterday, the there will, according to the Supreme Court now, there will not be on the ballot in November in California. There will not be an initiative to split California, break it up into three parts. Oh, no way. I missed that. It is dead. The California Supreme Court has said, no, this should not be on the ballot. This is too important an issue that it should have gone through the legislature first. The legislature should have had a chance to consider it first. Uh, and so they threw it off. The, they didn't say they're going to delay it. They threw it off the ballot. That doesn't belong on the ballot. Uh, it's one goofball billionaire by the name of Tim Draper who paid organizers to go out. By the way, you you, you can get a ham sandwich on the ballot in California. I mean, <laughs> it, to, the way it is today, it's all paid. It's all big money. It's all just paying people to go out and get signatures, stand in front of a supermarket or wherever and get signatures, and idiots will sign anything. Oh, yeah, you want this on the ballot? Oh, yeah. Well, I'll sign to at least get it on the ballot, and then people can vote for it, right? So this one guy, one guy uh, got it on the ballot by paying uh, the, the signature gatherers. Uh, and again, the Supreme Court said, nope, nope, doesn't belong there. We're throwing it off the ballot. Uh, they did so, I got to tell you, in response to a lawsuit, in response to a lawsuit that was filed by an organization called the Planning and Conservation League. I mention that because the very first executive director of the Planning and Conservation League was none other than Look at you. Bill Press. No kidding. Yes. So my organization <laughs> filed the lawsuit hiring an attorney by the name of Carlisle Hall. I first met Carlisle Hall maybe 1971 or 72. I've known him for that long. He's a great lawyer and a great friend. Uh, he did this pro bono for the Planning and Conservation League, or PCL, as we call it. Uh, and PCL won a great big victory. The Cal people of California won a great big victory yesterday. Uh, so California remains one great state. Uh won't be broken up into three. That's so funny. I, I totally missed that yesterday. This was like the story of the day when it first happened in California. Oh, they yeah. Shut it down. That's great. Oh, yeah. Shut it down. You As you pointed out, it probably wasn't going to happen anyway. It's such a crazy idea, but good that it's it's not even going right. to have the opportunity. But I'm uh, proud of the Planning and Conservation League, proud of PCL. So uh, congrats to all of my good friends who are still active in PCL, the uh, members of the board of PCL. Even some of the ones who were there when I was executive director are still on the board. So, so if I'm hearing this correctly, uh, uh, you I'm deserve credit. Yes. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I know you're without, too modest to say that. Without I'll say making it, it too <laughs> obvious. Right. Yes, the people of California, you can thank me, and I accept <laughs> your thanks. <laughs> All right. Yes. Now let's get back. So uh, I, I want to set this in context. Okay, Donald Trump Russia. Yes, for the third day in a row. Donald Trump is trying to explain himself, trying to say, in fact, he told Jeff Glore, uh, who's a damn good anchor for CBS, and did this interview with Donald Trump in Scotland before the weekend, before the summit, and he did the first interview, well, not the first one, that went to Sean Hannity and Tucker Carlson, of course, those two, but um, back here in the United States, put it that way, the first interview was with Jeff Glore yesterday at the White House, 
And he told uh, Gloria, he said, I did a great job in Helsinki. It was a wonderful job, wonderful performance. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Then why has he been trying to uh, dig his way out of it? Why has he been trying to explain his way out of it for the last two days? Uh, but so I want to put it in context. The New York Times does this morning, and we didn't know this before, but barely two weeks before his inauguration, uh, the FBI and the CIA went into uh, with, with President-elect Donald Trump on January the 6th, 2017. They gave him a little briefing about the ways that Russians had tried to interfere in the 2016 election. The evidence, here's from the New York Times. Here's what they told him now. He's not even sworn in yet. The evidence included texts and emails from Russian military officers and information gleaned from a top secret source close to Putin who described to the CIA how the Kremlin decided to execute its campaign of hacking and disinformation. Trump was given all of that evidence in great detail two weeks before he's sworn in as president. That's how long he's known about it, and he has denied it ever since, until yesterday. And now he's claiming, and Sarah Huckabee Sanders is claiming, and I was at the briefing yesterday, that Trump all along, he's always said that Russia interfered in the election. No, he hasn't. He had never said it before yesterday he finally sort of, kind of, maybe said, okay, maybe it happened. But remember, he also added, there are a lot of other people out of there. Out there, could have been other people too, right? So he hasn't. Ne- he hasn't really said, "Boom, this is it. We got to just never said this is it. We got to do something about it." But just the fact that he's known about it that long, and he was given all of that information that long, makes it all the more outrageous that he hasn't done anything about it, and he has praised Vladimir Putin over and over and over again. So, so we talked about what happened. What he said on Monday. And by the way, so then Tuesday he comes out, as we talk, discussed yesterday, and he said, say, if you only change, and I know there's a lot of, he said, I don't know what the fuss is all about, but um, I saw the reaction, and I looked at the, remember he said, I read the transcript of the news conference, I watched the tape, and I realized, oh, I got one word wrong. One word wrong. So he has this big thing, and he says, reads, reading his statement yesterday, like this, right? If you just say, I don't know why it would be Russia, to I don't know why it wouldn't be Russia, that solves it. That's it. It's all clear now. Everything is resolved. One word wrong. Uh, again, to the New York Times this morning, pick it up. You have a chance. Uh, their, their chief headline, their big headline is, Trump says he got only one word wrong. And then for the full page, they print the entire transcript of all the things that he's got wrong, all the things that he said, like that he never corrected, by the way, and that still stand, like the United States acted foolishly and stupidly, like Dan Coates says this, but Vladimir Putin says this very strongly, and so I got to go along with Putin. All that stuff still stands. It's just that one little word. Uh, that he changed. Uh, so then he thinks, okay, now I fixed it, right? 
Uh, and then yesterday, I just got a cabinet meeting. They call in the reporters. And by the way, this this is this is nobody's reporting on this, but it really I think it's just outrageous. So while the cabinet's there, the first thing he does is he calls on Ivanka. He lets the reporters stay in the room. Usually they come in, take a picture, and then run out. No. He let them stay in the room while Ivanka gives a report on how we're, I don't know, something to do with American workers and all the things they're doing to help American workers. <clears throat> yeah, sure. She, she wouldn't know a working man or woman if she ran into one. Um, uh, so at any rate, when Ivanka's over, finished, then he says, okay, it's time for the media to leave. And um, at this point, Cecilia Vega from, well, here's the sound here, but I just want to tell you what happened. So Cecilia Vega from ABC News says to the president, do you believe that the Russians are still targeting U.S. elections? And Donald Trump says, thank you very much. No. And she comes back. Again, we're going to hear the sound in just a second. I just want you to know what you're going to hear. And then she comes back. She's looking right at him. He's looking right at her. And she follows up and she says, you're, you don't think they're still targeting American elections? And he looks right at her and he says, no. So from the day before, saying he believes now his American intelligence agencies, trying to say that, and he misspoke that one word in St. Petersburg, in uh, Helsinki, he undoes the whole thing yesterday morning with Cecilia Vega. Here, the sound gets a little mixed up, but here's that exchange. Is Russia still targeting the U.S. Let's go. Make your way out. No, you don't believe that to be the case. Let's go. No, you can hear him say, no, no, no. But again, she followed up to make sure that he knew what she was asking. Uh, and, uh, and he again said, no. Well, that opened the can of worms all over again. So then we get to the briefing yesterday afternoon, and Sarah Huckabee Sanders says, totally reinventing the truth, right? She says, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, no, he was answering a different question. The president was said thank you very much and was saying no to answering questions. No, he wasn't. Yeah, Bill. No, he wasn't. I would say she might have gotten away with that if Cecilia Vega didn't follow up. And, and Cecilia put out a statement saying, look, I stand by what I said. Uh, by the way, so does Aswin Subsang, who was on pool duty yesterday and who's our guest uh, in the next half hour, uh, who reported that, stand by it as well. He was there. She asked the question. He said no. She followed up. He said no again. So, Sarah, you know what? Sarah Huckabee Sanders, I'm, I'm sure when she heard that, she was thinking, oh, my God, how can I explain my way out of this one? That's right? the thing. They, they, yeah. They're more worried yes. about how to get themselves out of these holes. Right. And Sarah Huckabee Sanders then tells uh, 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 at, at the briefing, uh, because it was Hallie Jackson from um, uh, NBC who was questioning this, um, how can you say that? And Sarah Huckabee Sanders says, well, listen to this very carefully. That's my job. Why should this president have any credibility to Americans in what he says if, in fact, 24 hours later, or in this case, three hours later, the White House comes out and says, just kidding? 
first of all, that's not what I said. Um, I was interpreting what the president's intention was and stating the administration's policy. So she is saying that her job as press secretary is to be the interpreter for Donald Trump. So he says one thing. She, she's, she's, this is the way she paints it. He can say whatever he wants, but the truth is the way she interprets what he says to mean and what he really meant to say. That's not the job of the press secretary. The job of the press secretary is to present the policies and make the arguments of the administration. And by the way, along the way, telling the truth. <laughs> it's not covering up. It's not reinventing what the president said. It's not interpreting what he meant to say or what he really meant or whatever. No. What he says is what he says. You know, it, it was a really quick kind of throwaway comment that she put out there and, and nobody really reacted to in the moment because I think we had to get away from it a little bit to understand what exactly the hell was happening. She's essentially saying that you cannot trust the words coming out of the mouth of the president of the United States. Well, that's how, how that was Halley's question, right? Is why yeah. should we believe? And then, and, but she and essentially admits it. Exactly, exactly. She's saying you can't. You have to listen to how I interpret what he says. Right. So again, I keep making this point, but it's important. For three days in a row, they've been trying to make up for this disastrous news conference and trying to twist, bend. The words, it's all a semantics game for them, rather than just admitting that what he said was wrong and dangerous and un-American and, to quote John Brennan, nothing short of treason to be siding with Russia over the United States, which is what he did for 46 straight minutes in front of the eyes of the world. Um, the other thing is that, so Sarah Huckabee Sanders made some uh, out, un, outrageous claims yesterday. Uh, I want to go back. She said, first of all, um, that, so the question was, did he really tell Putin, you got to stop this? Sarah Huckabee Sanders says, yep, he told us absolutely in that private meeting. Donald Trump, by the way, now says it lasted two and a half hours. The meeting keeps getting longer and longer, but it was certainly two hours that Donald Trump says he told Putin very clearly during that time, you had to knock it off, baby. The president has made clear uh, to Vladimir Putin that he should stay out of U.S. elections. Well, that's according to Donald Trump. We don't know. Um, and so that's one thing she said. The other thing she said is, get this, that Donald Trump has been tougher on Russia than anybody. The president, as he has said many times before, has been tougher on Russia than anybody. I think you can see that in all of the actions that he's taken. Like what? I mean, seriously. Okay, there were sanctions under Obama, and the Senate passed sanctions, tougher sanctions, which Donald Trump, remember, refused to apply for months and then finally did. But what else has he done? Has he ever? Then, then she added and said that he has actually called out Putin by name, by name, and criticized Vladimir Putin. And at that point yesterday in the briefing, like the chorus of the press corps, just it was spontaneous 
everybody said the same thing. When? When has he ever criticized Vladimir Putin by name? Never, 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 never. Until about 4.30 yesterday afternoon, after the briefing, Donald Trump sits down with Jeff Glor, and you know that Sarah Huckabee Sanders says, the one thing you've got to do is you have to criticize Putin by name, because we got to we got to do that because we said we've done it. He had never done it. Nobody, everybody went back to their sources. Everybody did yesterday to try to find one time when Donald Trump had said anything critical about Donald uh, Vladimir Putin. I did it yesterday. I went online. There is a laundry list of times going back to when he was just a crooked businessman in New York about praising Vladimir Putin and all the way up to two days ago, kissing his ass, but not one, not one, nobody could find one critical thing he said about Putin by name, right? He's attacked Justin Trudeau, Emmanuel Macron, Theresa May, uh, uh, you know, who, well, anybody uh, by name, all of our allies, but Vladimir Putin, no. So he sits down with Jeff Glor, and he finally sort of kind of criticizes Putin by name. Here's as close as he would get to it. Well, I would, because he's in charge of the country, just like I consider myself to be responsible for things that happen in this country. So certainly, as the leader of a country, you would have to hold him responsible, yes. Oh, that's it. So again, it's sort of oblique, right? It's, not, it's sort of a bank shot. It's not really directly saying, Vladimir Putin is a thug. Vladimir Putin is an evil man. Even Lindsey Graham yesterday said Vladimir Putin is the enemy, right? No, Donald Trump will never say that. He just says, well, to the extent that Russia has done anything bad and Donald Trump, I mean, uh, Vladimir Putin is the head of the country, yes, to that extent, he's responsible. And that's that adds up to what the White House means when they say, on that one time, only... Only on that one time that Donald Trump has criticized Vladimir Putin. Again, they're just playing games with words. And, and, and you know, it's just disgusting. But uh, it's enough for some Republicans. We've told you about these cowardly Republicans. There's only thing one, uh, to me, only thing, one thing worse than Donald Trump, and that is the cowardly Republicans who give him a free pass yet again. Uh, and we, you know, here we go. We told you so. But we told you so. We told you don't trust Mitch McConnell and Paul Ryan and Bob Corker, even Bob Corker and Jeff Flake. Yeah, yesterday or the day before, they were all saying critical things about Donald Trump. No, we don't believe Donald Trump on this. But would they actually ever do anything? No. How long did it take them to fold yet again? Uh, less than 24 hours. So yesterday we had a clip of Bob Corker saying, this is terrible, he looks weak, it's embarrassing, it's, you know, whatever, um, made fools of all of us. Yesterday, here's Bob Corker again saying, oh, he corrected one word, therefore it's all fixed. People understand that it was a painful experience for him and he was walking back what he did and, and you know, kind of apologizing, but kind of not. But look, I think that's a positive step. There it is. There it is. 
Doesn't take much, does it? No, doesn't take much. Access Hollywood tape? Nah, yeah, nah. Well, he sort of apologized, so let's move on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ripping kids away from their families at the border. Oh, terrible, terrible thing. Oh, but he kind of fixed it, so all right, let's move on. You know, th- th- Stand up and say, I support Russia over the United States. I support Vladimir Putin over my own national intelligence director. Terrible thing, but oh, he kind of sort of apologized. Okay, let's move on. Nobody can let these guys move on. Nobody can let these Republican politicians move on. Every single question should be, sure, he walked back one single word, which really doesn't change the overall picture of what happened when he had this uh, summit in Helsinki. But now you've got to put it purely on the politicians. Absolutely. Purely on every single Republican politician. Yeah. There's only one thing worse than Donald Trump, and that is the collection of... Cowardly Republicans, Mitch McConnell, Paul Ryan, yes, Bob Corker, Susan Collins, Lindsey Graham, the whole bunch of them who will not stand up to this president no matter what he says or does. So you've heard me um, bitch a lot about the briefings and the fact that the reporters uh, don't hang together against the outrages and the attacks of Donald Trump and Sarah Huckabee Sanders. And you've probably, I'm sure, if you're regular, you've heard me suggest that what they ought to do is when Sarah Huckabee Sanders tries to cut somebody off or when the president does this, like he did to Jim Acosta in Helsinki, uh, not Helsinki, it was uh, the the news conference before in London, um, if um, when they try to cut somebody off or not allow them a follow-up, the next reporter, instead of playing along, John Roberts of Fox, instead of playing along, should have said, no, Jim Acosta has a question, Mr. President. He didn't do that. Well, it came up again yesterday when Holly Jackson is trying to, we heard that yesterday a little earlier when she was saying, how can we believe the president, you know, when he keeps correcting himself. Um, and she's asking that question, and she has a follow-up to that question, but Sarah Huckabee Sanders doesn't want it because she knows she's in a tight spot and she wants to move on, and she tries to move on. And Sarah Huckabee Sanders keeps trying to go to Jordan Fabian from the Hill, our good friend. You hear and see him here all the time on the Hill. It goes to one Jordan Fabian, Jordan Fabian. And Jordan, God bless him, a class act, a man with a good backbone, said, no, Hallie, it's your follow-up. Here's, 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 the, here's the exchange. So when he sees that he's misspoken, he comes out and he says that. And Jordan, just to follow up on my follow second question, Sarah. Sorry, you I'm going to move on two. to Jordan. You told Josh the president has been once again. Hallie, I'm moving on to Jordan. Jordan, go ahead. Sorry, Hallie, go ahead if you want. Thanks, Jordan. You said actually, I'm going to take a question from Jordan. Because I don't think any of us remember, at least I don't remember, a time when the president has publicly called up Vladimir Putin. I think by stating the fact that the president uh, said that Russia interfered with our election, that's a pretty bold call out of another world leader. Jordan, go ahead. So, uh, that, now she goes through. But uh, th- th- what, what doesn't come across as powerful as it was in that little clip that you heard is in the briefing room, it was probably maybe just 15 seconds, but was absolute silence. When she went to Jordan and everybody held their breath, what's he going to do? It, I'm, I'm telling you, it was stunning. Everybody just stopped 
You could you could have heard a pin drop. And then he says, Hallie, go ahead. And, you know, it's too bad everybody didn't applaud at the time. <laughs> I sent him a text right away and said, class act, dude. Yeah. Uh, well, you, I mean, you, I, we've I've heard you talk that, about this for months. Yes, I've been saying for so long. And I've talked to Jordan about it. And he did it. And good for him. You know, good good for him. He really showed some balls and really showed some some integrity. Uh, and everybody there really respected that. And uh, and you know what, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, it worked. She had to go along with it. At that point, she had nowhere to go. She had to let Hallie ask her follow-up, and then she didn't have an answer, but she had to let it go. She could not. It's amazing to see how she got backed into a corner. Yeah. Like, yeah. you can hear it. Which just shows, right? If you hang together yeah. and show some strength, right? You got to fight back. You can't let them just roll over us. So uh, to Jordan Fabian, kudos to Jordan Fabian this morning. Uh, also on pool duty yesterday, our good friend Aswin Subsang, reporter for Daily Beast, uh, and he's the first one who reported on the Cecilia Vega exchange earlier in the morning, and with Donald Trump, and he stands by his story. He'll tell us more about it when he joins us here in just a minute or so. Quick break. We'll be right back here on the Bill Press Show, Thursday, July nineteenth. This is the Bill Press Show. Well, Mike Huckabee is on Fox and Friends as we speak, saying that he is glad the president has corrected the record and admitted that he misspoke one word. And so it's all resolved. And now we can move on. Yes, uh, the latest we need to bend over for Donald Trump. Mike Huckabee joining Bob Corker and all the rest of them. Hello, everybody. It's the Bill Press Show on Thursday, July 19, live from our nation's capital, our studio on Capitol Hill, where we're brought to you today by the uh, the uh, International Association, sorry, of Iron Workers, right? The Iron Workers Union. That's what we're talking about. The good men and women of the Iron Workers under President Eric Dean, building our communities today and ready to rebuild our infrastructure tomorrow if the Congress ever gets its act together. And we thank them for their good work and their support of the program. You can check out the website at ironworkers.org. The aforementioned uh, several times already this morning, Aswin Subsang, political reporter for the Daily Beast, and on pool duty yesterday on a busy day at the White House, joining us in studio. Aswin, it's nice to see you. Always a pleasure to be here, Bill. Thank you for coming in. Thank you and for having me. And we all extend to you our hearty congratulations on that little ring you've got on your finger since yeah, the last time. Oh, yes. Last listen. time we saw yeah. you. Thank you yeah. so much. How's married? How's married life? Uh, feels exactly the same as the day before I got married about a month ago, and that's a great thing so far. But I hear that the first month of being married is um, where all the stormy weather is, and then afterwards it's just clear sailing. And yeah. that's no, that's the way it is. I, if that, you, that's what everybody tells everybody me, said. and what all of American pop culture has led me yeah, to believe. If you if you survive the first month, it's you're in the clear. It's easy. <laughs> it's easy sledding from then on. <laughs> Um, but yes, uh, I'd be remiss if I did mention that my uh, wife is Elizabeth Nolan Brown. I don't know if you've ever had her on the show before. You totally should. Uh, she's an associate editor at Reason Magazine, and um, I'm not completely unbiased here, but she's one of my favorite reporters. So, All right. Well, do you make a pitch and a plug for uh, for Mrs. Subsang? Did she take your name? No, no. Keep oh. it brown. I, okay. Less, less paperwork is the way we wanted it. Uh, <laughs> nice. All right. Involve the government. So her. Congratulations to Elizabeth as well. Peter, uh, so uh, comments so far. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, okay. We just, we've been stirring things up a little bit before you got here, getting yeah. ready for you. So we just want to make sure we 
Yes, Peter. Totally. Don't forget, we are on Twitter, on Twitter, at BP Show, at BP Show. A couple of comments about Jordan Fabian, our friend, who uh, yes. deferred his question back to Hallie Jackson. Joey says, great job, Jordan. Bill, you are definitely on to something. The press needs to stick together. Uh, also, we got a comment uh, from my buddy Romaine. I always read comments from Romaine because he's so good. Uh, As in is, lettuce? Uh, not that way, but our friend Romaine oh. from Chicago uh, <laughs> says, it is not... Not the job of Sarah Huckabee Sanders to interpret Trump. Uh, you are not the Trump whisperer. Face <laughs> it, your boss is a no. traitor. Find us on Twitter at BP Show to get your comments in. We'd love to hear from you. Okay. So, uh, ask one. Yesterday, uh, the first event on the president's schedule was the cabinet meeting. You were on pool duty. Pool duty. You were there when Cecilia Vega asks a question. Um, do you believe that Russia is still meddling in American uh, elections. Still targeting. Targeting, targeting was the word, yeah. targeting. But, but so, yes, that's... Right. Uh, here, here is the uh, exchange, but you can't really... The sound doesn't do it justice. That's why I want to play this first and then get you to tell us what really happened. Here it is. Is Russia still targeting the U.S. Thank Press, you very let's much. let's go. Time. Make your way out. No, you don't want to so case. Let's go. Okay. So, you know, it goes back and forth, but it sounds to me like she asked the question and he said No. And then, did she ask a follow-up? Uh, she, she did, and then the president said no again, and then proceeded shortly thereafter to expand on his answer, uh, talking more about Russia, his policies, and Putin. And then uh, there was a little bit more talking between him and members, or mostly members of the press, including myself, trying to get in a question, and him, uh, for the most part, ignoring and smirking at us and sort of chuckling a little bit as press were ushered out of the room. And right. as soon as we were ushered out of the uh, cabinet <laughs> meeting, um, a few of us, including myself, uh, looked at each other, um, who were standing right there, and just all said the same thing. Like, oh yeah, the, the, that was clearly what happened, right? The ABC News reporter, Cecilia Vega, uh, got in a question as the press was being ushered out. The President of the United States looked directly at her. They had it. That's what I was going to ask you. He was looking at her. He knew who he was talking yes, to. Yes, yes. And, and then even she followed up, so he knew what she had asked again, and he clearly again said no, right? Correct. And if you were, um, and, and even the, the clearest thing to me staying right there was when he said no the first time, it, it was... It was very clear. I, I know uh, sometimes stuff doesn't get picked up on audio or TV yeah, cameras right. or whatever in the same way if you're standing yeah, right there as we a couple just of heard, feet from it. Hard to sort it out. But And there was a little bit of crosstalk. <laughs> but when you were standing in the room right there where I was, it was abundantly clear what was going on. There was zero ambiguity, and everybody who I asked who was around me, uh, the other reporters, um, came to the same consensus. And when he said no the first time, that was the clearest thing I heard. And then when he shortly followed up on his expanded answer, it was clear that he was riffing as he usually does with members of the press, especially in situations where he's uh, uh, confronted with a press pool. Yeah. And he was talking to Cecilia Vega. It, it would be like somebody two feet to my right right now um, if they witness you and I talking for 15 seconds right now. And then I left the room and then tried to tell the third party that you and I weren't talking. Yeah, it just wasn't. You're looking at me. I'm looking at you. We are right. communicating. She she asked him, uh, "Mr. President, is 
the Russian government still targeting the United States and its elections. I'm paraphrasing here, but that's what she said. And he responded in the negative, either because he doesn't believe that's the case or some other reason. And as predicted, she followed up. I keep coming back to that because, right, that's important. That yes. she followed up to be sure that he, she knew, he knew what she was asking, and and not just that what she was asking, but that he was talking to her. To her. Yes. And the thing that I keep mentioning is um, this White House spin after this, because it obviously doesn't look bad to them. It's a screw up on top of a botched walk back on top of the initial colossal screw up in Helsinki. <laughs> right. So uh, there's a lot of shambolic activity going on this week uh, coming from Team Trump, uh, mostly the president himself. But anyway, I digress. Um, uh but then, the, the fact, if I can oh, just jump forward. Sure. And so Sarah Huckabee Sanders says, no, 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 no. The president was not talking to her. He was not answering her question. Uh, and she said, and that's my job to interpret what the president says. He was answering a different question, not that question. And you then followed up in the afternoon to your initial report saying you stand by your report. Oh, absolutely. Because, um, well, first of all, th this wouldn't be the first time that Trump or the Trump White House would go out of its way to, if not, if we're not to say lie, uh, shall we say, try to spin their way out of the truth. It, it wouldn't be the first. Th this stuff is par for the course for them in terms of um, um, fudging the truth about uh, gigantic national security matters, or things as small and petty as this. This doesn't actually matter that much. I, I mean, you can argue that it fits a pattern, but it's one small Trump response and, out of many And in this case, as you pointed things. out, it's the third day in a row that they've tried to dig themselves out of what was right. a colossal screw-ups uh, on Monday. Yeah, and the White House officials I talked to all say that the internal machinations of this and the uh, relentless damage control they've been through for the past 72 hours or so reminds a lot of them about uh, certain episodes like post-Charlottesville and post-Comey firing. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a pattern here that the, this particular president can't go too long without things erupting into this kind of self-inflicted crisis. And again, the, the big uh, salient term here is self-inflicted. These are all things of President Trump's own making. Um, but the point I want to make with regards to what you said was the official line of the Trump White House right now is that, oh, what you heard and saw with your own eyes a foot or a couple of feet away from where it took place didn't actually <clears throat> happen. And the president was saying, no, I'm not taking any questions. Their spin is undercut by the fact that he did take the question. He didn't just say no <laughs> yeah, repeatedly. Right. He expanded yeah. on his answer and started talking about how supposedly tough he is on Putin and Russia. So what I was wondering afterwards, I think I tweeted this out yesterday while... Um, I was on pool duty was, I don't understand why if you're the White House and you want to lie about it, or at least present your version of whatever truth you have, why you didn't say what the president meant was, no, the Russians aren't doing it anymore because I'm going to stop them. That's much more plausible spin and fits with what he was saying in the cabinet meeting because right. he was ranting about or rambling about how tough he was on Russia. So now, some of this just is nonsensical to the point where you wonder how stupid they think their viewers are. Well, um, here's what Donald Trump says. You, 
he doesn't mention you by name, but he's certainly talking about you and me too, I guess. Uh, he just tweeted um, a few minutes ago, uh, yeah, not even an hour ago, quote, the fake news media wants so badly to see a major confrontation with Russia, even a confrontation that could lead to war. So that's what you want, Aswin. You you want you don't want him to get along with Vladimir Putin. You want war with well, Russia. Well, as um, I think it was this morning, he tweeted a similar thing yesterday. That uh, and uh, I anybody who thinks he's not tough enough with Russia, right? That they, mm -hmm. what they want is war with Russia. And actually, I reported this several days ago that uh, before he started going on this like war-related tweet storming kick, he's mm -hmm. actually said for many days, if not weeks, or maybe even more than that, um, when he's talking to people close to him and around him in private, um, one way, not the only way, but one way he will, shall we say, spin to them, or at least try to pitch them on uh, why he is behaving this way uh, towards Vladimir Putin and other regimes around the globe who we might tag with repressive human rights records, um, is that he sells it as he he is the guy standing in between um, his critics and what he will call, quote-unquote, World War III. Yes. And he has expressed uh, sympathy uh, for, for instance, Senator Rand Paul's non-intervention streak and instincts when he's talking about people like Kim Jong-un or Vladimir Putin, which, uh, on its face, nothing wrong with that. I mean, diplomacy... Is good, yeah, and right. and yes, like you you have to engage with brutal dictators sometimes, and right to try to avert larger crises, not necessarily war, but potentially diplomatic crises. Um, the problem is there's no holistic anti-war or anti-intervention consistency to Donald Trump. Just a few months ago, he took actions in say Syria that openly risked a broader military hostility with Russia. Uh, in terms of the uh, second time he punished the Assad regime with a strike that actually ended up not doing anything, really, to change mm -hmm. the facts mm -hmm. of the war on the ground. Right. Um, he openly flirted with uh, nuclear standoff when it came to Kim Jong-un before he suddenly decided that he wanted to get more touchy, uh, more fuzzy yeah. <laughs> and uh, cuddly with the guy and his regime. So... The fact that Trump is now saying both in private and publicly that I'm the guy standing in between you and World War III doesn't really stand up to scrutiny. The uh, Not to mention all the extra wars that he started, which we don't know anything about, in North Africa and, and deployment of been troops there in multiple countries studies we never on heard this. of and engagements we don't know anything about. And as bad and as brutal as Obama's air wars were, there are several studies, at least, uh, that I've read that his have actually been more brutal and have had higher civilian death count than Obama's had in the same period of time. So here's the uh, Aswin Subsang, our guest, um, White House pool duty yesterday. The DailyBeast.com is how you can follow him uh, when uh, he's not visiting here on the on the show, which and we follow him all the time. Um, here's the question I think that's lingering from the news conference on Monday, which was asked at the news conference Monday, and we never got a straight answer out of Vladimir Putin. But I've had more and more people um, since Monday make the comment to me that this 
it, it's so obvious that Vladimir Putin has something on Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the question was asked: Do you have any compromise, compromising information on Donald Trump? Putin never answered By, uh, that John question. John Lemire of uh, but the John Associated Lemire, Press. Yeah, yeah, and good for him for asking that question. But doesn't it doesn't it seem more and more like there's got to be something there, whether it's financial hanky panky or sexual shenanigans or something? Well, to explain why Trump just goes out of his way never to say a critical word about. Vladimir Putin. Well, if that is the case, you it's think there's... curious what um, uh, the Russian government would have on the U.S. president. I mean, what are they going to have? Are they going to have a secret tape of the president of the United States admitting well, to sexual assault? No, but it, like, like no, that, that a, exists already. Like, like well, there's so much dirt. That, got, right, that um, exists. But we might have the the tape that he's unaware of. The, the famous oh, no, no, P I, tape, I, right? Of course. I, I know, it, but I think it could more likely be money thing. laundering or. Some crooked loans or some unpaid loans or some financial stuff. A lot of stuff that has actually already trickled out in the U.S. press. But uh, I, I don't mean to dodge your question. It, it's just that I think um, uh, my response to that would be like whether or not Putin does have compromising material on Donald Trump. Who who knows? Like I'm not yeah, suggesting sure. that I believe any of the theories or or innuendo about that. It's not beyond the pale, but what I'm saying is I, I obviously are, don't do you know. Know I don't work in the Kremlin, but do you know reporters who are pursuing that story, or do you know if any reporters are? Oh, well, there are certainly reporters who have, yes, but dating back to the 2016 campaign, um, and an offshoot of that was like the dossier reporting before Donald yeah, Trump right. was, the start even before Trump was elected. Um, but what to answer your question... Um, I th- what I think is just as likely, if not more likely, an explanation based on the people I've talked to who are close to the president of why he acts the way he does. It's not a full explanation, but certainly a gigantic, one of the m- most important reasons about how why he acts this way. And it's uh, rooted in stubbornness, insecurity, and ego um, to acknowledge that... Uh, the Russian government or Russian actors interfered in the election and helped tilt the scales to Trump to win in 2016 would be an acknowledgement that he didn't win the election outright on the sheer awesomeness of Donald Trump. And that's something that he will complain privately and sometimes allude to publicly when sometimes sniping at reporters uh, about. It, mm-hmm. It's... it's uh, With... President Trump, oftentimes the simplest explanation is the correct one. He, he, he's <laughs> right. he's not an incredibly complicated person to figure out because he feeds so much on his own ego. And it's not to uh, excuse his sympathy for authoritarians with bad human rights records because that's certainly part of the mix. But the other part of why he does this is because of insecurity and his own conviction that he won the 2016 election basically all by himself. Right, he keeps repeating. He repeated that like, he cannot give an interview, interview about anything without talking about how he clobbed, clubber, clobbered uh, Hillary Clinton, how easily he won, and how big he won. He did that again yesterday with Jeff Clore in the CBS interview. He did it at the news conference on on Monday. It's just you know part of his DNA. I guess we've talked before, uh, and uh, with that, you've got as many, if not more, sources at the White House than anybody I know, and you keep in touch with them, and they keep in touch with you, 
and they keep leaking and they t- keep talking. Is there so what, what? What? Tell me about the White House today. Is there anybody in the White House who can stand up to Donald Trump and say, "No, that's a stupid idea. You should not do that." Or has he gotten rid of any of those possible, you know, rational people around him? Well, of course, anyone can. It's just that anybody anybody who's willing to, who's left? Anybody who's at the top ranks of the, uh, um, in Donald Trump's circle right now, who would, quote unquote, stand up to the president on something and advise him that something he did was wrong or stupid, wouldn't do it in that way. Anybody who's close to the president who knows how to effectively talk to him knows that scolding him uh, is more likely to make him dig in his heels than reverse course. But at one time we thought that the, they used to call him, you remember, the adults in the room. Don't worry too much about Donald Trump because H.R. McMaster is there, Rex Tillerson is there, Gary Cohn is there. Well, they're not there anymore. <laughs> right? John Kelly is then still there. there but then his... John Kelly's going to come in. He's going to be the one, but he seems to have vanished. Yeah, yeah, he's been uh, repeatedly um, uh, uh, stripped of the authority and the adult in the room uh, veneer that yeah. he came yeah. in with, which turned out to be a complete fiction. He was no better, if not in some ways worse, than Reince Priebus and being the chief of staff of Trump's White House. Yeah, and good point. Um, and yeah, the, so, the more you look at this administration, the more you Steve, realize there really isn't Adults even as Steve Bannon, I think, while I didn't agree with his policies, had the kind of relationship with Trump and he would say, no, that's a dumb idea. You shouldn't do that, right? But Well, again, he probably put it in softer terms than true, that. But true. But ju- just like anybody else who was advising Trump against things, you quickly realize that so often he'll just not give a damn about your advice. Steve Bannon was one of the people arguing against further intervention in Syria and getting as many uh, U.S. troops out of Afghanistan as humanly possible. Uh, Trump did the exact opposite on both things. Again, this goes back to our earlier point about Trump thinking he's standing between us and war. He escalated in Afghanistan. He's escalated in Syria. He's escalated in Ukraine. So uh, what, 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 I want to know what wars are left for him to avert (laughs) on this planet. Uh, Uh, I don't know whether you've had a chance to look into um, um, Maria Butina. Butina, Mm. yes. So... Donald Trump keeps saying, no, there were no contacts at all with Russians, and, 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 and the Russians were not involved at all. He's been saying that for a long time. And then these, these Russians keep popping up. And this latest person is totally independent of the Robert Mueller investigation, wow. though she's been indicted now by the Justice Department, Maria Butina. Um, and, and the Justice Department says she was flat out a Russian spy. Mm-hmm. We know that. Looks like it, right? Well, actually, um, when was it? I think it was early 2017. Uh, my former colleague and former housemate and actually best uh, man at my wedding, uh, Tim Mack, yes. who's now a reporter at NPR, uh, when he was working at the Daily Beast, wrote the first, I think, big piece focusing on uh, Butina oh. as huh. a potential Russian spy. Uh, this was a year and a half before um, uh, her arrest which yeah. just happened. Yeah. And um, it, it's been known in intelligence and law enforcement circles for a while that this uh, young woman is an alleged Russian spy or potentially very likely a Russian spy and um, has, has been ingratiating herself in Republican 
and NRA and other conservative movement related uh, power circles in and right. around Washington D.C. Yeah, trying to trying to set up meetings and and make this connection. The, the, the thing that I love most about this story is that one of the organizations that she infiltrated was the National Prayer Breakfast. Uh, <laughs> Peter knows that I have this thing about the National Prayer Breakfast as being a total phony baloney operation. I've never gone. I never would go. And I think she sort of proves it. Um, we've got so much to talk about. But we're out of time, my friend. So thank you for your good work. Thank you so much for, for uh, hanging in there tough yesterday. Uh, doing a good job as always. When we come back, Hunter Walker joins us. This is The Bill Press Show. Hey, friends, don't be a stranger. Keep up to date with all of The Bill Press Show happenings around the clock on social media. Here's how. You can follow us on Twitter at BP Show or on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash Bill Press Show and on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. And remember, if you haven't already done so, make sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. And while you're there, please rate and review the show. That means a lot to us. And thanks so much for your support. Fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show. Live at YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Three days in a row and Donald Trump still can't get it right. Uh, they keep playing these word games at the White House. Uh, but um, <clears throat> never works. Hello, everybody. What do you say? Happy Thursday, Thursday, July 19. It is The Bill Press Show. Live from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, with all the news of the day, bringing you up to date on uh, the latest here from the White House, the latest from uh, the Congress. Isn't it amazing, no matter what Donald Trump does or says, uh, any little muted, even albeit so mild, criticism that might come from some Republicans vanishes Overnight, as soon as the president kind of, sort of, half-ass way apologizes or explains, then immediately they say, yes, whatever, Mr. President, we don't care. You can commit treason. You can side with Vladimir Putin over our national intelligence agencies. You can trash the FBI, whatever. We don't care because you give us tax cuts and you give us conservative judges. Uh, the only person worse than Donald Trump are the whole collection of Republican politicians on Capitol Hill. Uh, with that, uh, we move on to a lot of other news of the day uh, with you and look forward uh, to getting your comments on Twitter at BP Show, on Twitter at BP Show on this Thursday, July 19. Yes, indeed. One more stab uh, on the part of the White House yesterday to try to set the record straight. But the record stands as to what the president said on Monday, and he can't run away from it. Uh, we will get to all the news of the day with our good friend from Yahoo News, Hunter Walker, who finds his way to the studio. Hi, Hunter. It's good to see you. It's not hey. not good to see you, Bill. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> 
<laughs> we have to be careful with every word these days. I, I, I'm, it's a double negative. Very clear. Uh, uh, very clear. But first, this is the Full Court Press. Yes, indeed. Just a couple of the stories making news. Okay, so when you look at Wall Street, the most valuable company for years has been Apple. You're an iPhone guy, Bill. I'm an iPhone guy. We use Apple yes, products. Absolutely. Apple has been probably the most valuable company on Wall Street. But yesterday, they got a little bit of a scare. Ye- yesterday, it Uh-oh. was announced Amazon stock market value reached $900 billion. That's the first time that they have hit that high. Uh, they th- didn't exactly come close or didn't exactly knock Apple off of the top perch, but they came pretty damn close. Uh, Amazon stock market value is $902 billion as of yesterday. So be on the lookout. We talked yesterday about how Jeff Bezos yeah. is now yeah. like the richest guy in the world and making a ton of money and it's it just it's so crazy. You know what other companies are in a little trouble too uh, is uh, <clears throat> Tesla. Oh, yeah. Because of the dumb-ass comments by Elon Musk. I was actually going to mention that. Oh. That's my next story. Oh, good. Let me just put one yeah. quick, one quick yeah. footnote on the, on the Amazon story. Uh, Prime Day, which we talked about, was very glitchy and had <laughs> right. a lot of problems and all of that. Uh, turns out they made $100 million on Amazon Prime Day. Uh, How much so, did they lose? <laughs> that's a good point. Uh, you're, uh, on the other story of Elon Musk, Elon Musk took back to Twitter, which is where he got in all this trouble because he called one of the uh, yes. cave rescuer divers, cave rescue divers, a pedophile. He tweeted an apology and tweeted directly to the rescuer, apologized for his comments about being a pedophile. He says that uh, he had made some nasty comments about his little submarine. And he took it personally, mm-hmm. and he lashed out and called him a pedo, short for a, a pedophile, <laughs> sorry to say. Uh, he So he took to Twitter, he says, as this well-written article, which is an article explaining the, the submarine, suggests, my words were spoken in anger after the man said several untruths and suggested I engage in sexual acts with the mini-sub, which had been built as an act of kindness. Only Elon Musk could take the greatest feel-good story of our lifetime, right, and turn it into trash. This is the Bill Press Show. Indeed, uh, for the third day in a row, the White House keeps trying to clarify what the president said or didn't say or what he meant, and uh, (laughs) they still can't get it right. Hello, everybody. What do you say? It's Thursday, July 19. Here we go. The Bill Press Show, hour number two. Thank you for joining us. Wherever you are in this great land of ours, we're right there alongside of you, joining you on the radio, on television, and online. Uh, And don't forget, check out our podcast as well. Podcast is booming these days. Uh, And uh, even on the weekend, you get a little, uh, if you sign up for the podcast, you will hear from us and get some special stuff. So uh, go to BillPressShow.com. Uh, check on that. And by the way, if you're heading for the beach this weekend and looking for a good read, don't forget the best summer read Best summer beach read of all, uh, my new book, From the Left, A Life in the Crossfire, uh, still available wherever you uh, get your books and uh, or from our website for the special price at BillPressShow.com. Joining us to help us through the uh, 
crazy news of the day. Our good friend from Yahoo News, Hunter Walker, here is a friend of Bill for the entire hour. Hello, Hunter. Good to see you. Hey, Bill. Thanks for having me. I want to ask you about something before we get to Donald Trump and the rest. There's, there's, there is some like other news out there <laughs> that if we don't, I've discovered if we don't do it like right away, we get so lost in Donald Trump, like we never get yeah. back to. But this is a an interesting anniversary. It was 25 years ago today. You may not even be aware of this. 25 years ago today, that Bill Clinton announced a new policy fairly early in his administration called Don't Ask, Don't Tell. Wow. Happy birthday, Don't Ask, Don't Tell. Here's Bill Clinton. This is an end to witch hunts that spend millions of taxpayer dollars to ferret out individuals who have served their country well. Improper conduct on or off base should remain grounds for discharge, but we will proceed with an even hand against everyone regardless of sexual orientation. It's amazing what a disaster that policy turned out to be, right? And he presents it in the most positive terms. I remember at the time when he did it, I was really pissed because I said, this is this is not good. This is bad policy. I mean, it's such um, such a perfect distillation of everything that um, can go wrong with both of the Clintons in yeah. that you you have this attempt to seem progressive while also not angering, you know, center-right moderates. And in the end, you do nothing but angering everyone. And I think, you know, 25 years later, (laughs) that really um, has characterized so much of their approach. (laughs) In so many areas, right? It's it's so funny because it wasn't that long ago I had this conversation about don't ask, don't tell. And I just said, like, that in a nutshell, that is who the Clintons are as politicians. Yeah, yeah, Hillary, what do you think about a $15 minimum wage? You know, right. <laughs> don't raise, don't lower. Like. Right, 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 right. I mean, yeah. 23 years later when she was running you for know, president, we saw the same exact yeah. type of stuff. And the backstory here is that it, 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 Bill Clinton, and I went to an event in, I was I was doing TV in L.A. at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I went to an event where it was like the first time a presidential candidate had had, an, it was just in West Hollywood, an openly gay Rally, yeah. right, and 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 so he had a lot of support in the gay community, and he was presented with a draft executive order the day he was inaugurated, which would allow gays to serve openly in the military. And he, they said, "You owe us this, baby, because we supported you." And he wouldn't, he wouldn't do that, and so he came up with this BS compromise called "Don't Ask, Don't Tell," which he thought would please. Everybody. And what what I found so interesting was, you know, when Hillary Clinton ran for president, they really sort of marketed her um, towards a gay audience. There was a lot of, you know, specific outreach, a lot of specific <clears throat> merchandise. Um, she had this sort of appeal within the community. And yet I think it was so much. She wore the rainbow pantsuits. Yeah, I, but I think it was so much more based on this, like, character that they were selling of, like, Hillary Clinton, you know, fifth golden girl. And wasn't really based on policy because they just they just really don't have a great record on that. Not not that not that um, too many Democrats of that generation do. But, right. um, you know, yeah. that, that was a notable example. <laughs> so uh, I just wanted to get that out there that it's, uh, that, again, um, 
the sooner we get rid of that policy, uh, the better. Uh, have you ever seen a White House get more tongue-tied or more wrapped up and in, 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 unable to sort of explain itself uh, and having to walk back walkbacks? This has been pretty embarrassing the last three days. I mean, I don't even really have any words. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 yeah. I think the problem for the White House is that Donald Trump has plenty of words. And, <laughs> and you know, you and I were just looking before we started here at the New York Times. Did this great spread with his, right. yeah. you know, history of complimentary overtures towards Russia. That too. Uh, and, and 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 then this one they did. They said he's he claims he only got one ro- word wrong. Yeah. On Monday, if you took that whole transcript. And you just changed one word. Then everything he said was, you know, was great. And they, that's why they print the entire transcript of that news conference saying, no, he said a lot of bad stuff. Yeah. And I think one of the more interesting moments yesterday when Sarah tried to clear this all up in the briefing. Yeah. I mean, look, it's I, and I don't want to I don't really want to give anything to these attempts to clean up what has obviously been said. I mean, the president has a long history of, you know, denying what Russia did in this election, really denying that Russia is, as the intelligence community says, a major threat to the U.S., um, and just making overtures while while doing that. Um, That is very clearly what he's doing. The White House runs into trouble because it's impossible to clean up. You know, if I pour garbage on the floor of the studio right now and then say I didn't do it, you know, you're still going to be mad at me, Bill. <laughs> and, yeah, and that's right. essentially what's going on. And I think the the clearest moment of it was, you know, Sarah's attempting to go out there and, you know, put lipstick on this pig. And what she ends up doing in response to a very smart, subtle question from Maggie Haberman is she ends up saying, oh, yeah, President Trump also discussed having allowing Russian intelligence to question Americans, including potentially a former ambassador. So Sarah's going out there trying to do this cleanup, trying to fix this, you know, mm-hmm. obvious thing the president is doing. And she ends up actually revealing something else that we didn't realize that he had done for Putin in private. But she Something said, really extraordinary. She she insisted that well, that he didn't agree to anything. He just discussed it. Yeah, and, and, and that may well be but true. Trump, but Trump, by the way, at the news conference, he seemed to embrace it. He said, well, it sounds like a very generous offer. Well, so what Trump was embracing at the news conference was this idea of, like, you know, Russia's cyber task force and the idea that we should cooperate with them in the Mueller probe and other things, which is already shocking. You're totally right. Right. But what Sarah suggested had been discussed. McFall or is that his name? Exactly. Putin, you know, made some comment. Uh, The Russians are obsessed with this hedge fund guy, Bill Browder. Yes. Um, and yes. Bill Browder basically is a Westerner who went over to make a lot of money in Russia, ended up as and did. Um, Khodorkovsky and so many people have uh, getting targeted by Putin. Because, you know, when you start to when you start to win in Russia and you're not on that team, sometimes you run into trouble. Well, w- when Putin's not getting his five <laughs> percent or even so, sometimes they just want to take out potential rivals. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, w- w- we've interestingly seen I mean, I'm a Brooklynite, so I, I know about uh, our Nets owner, uh, Prokhorov. And he's had this interesting history where he's sort of run afoul of Putin, managed to still make it work, what have you. It's, it's dangerous to make money in Russia. And, and mm-hmm. Bill Browder found that out. Um, and decided really not to take it lying down, not to move to another country as others have, 
um, and ended up sort of launching an anti-corruption crusade against Putin that culminated in his lawyer, um, I believe it was Sergei Magnitsky, um, getting killed. Um, and Browder has really turned this into a crusade and is actually the one responsible largely for the Magnitsky Act, which was mm, yes. you know, supposedly getting discussed at that infamous the, Trump Tower right, meeting. Right, so Browder's right. a really, you know, he's <laughs> this guy that a lot of Americans haven't heard about, but he looms very large. He has a lot of real estate in Putin's brain, and he's a pretty big thorn in uh, the president of Russia's side. So Putin is there at this press conference and he's like, you know, these other Americans have aided Browder's crimes, including um, the former ambassador in the Obama administration, the ambassador to Russia, McFaul. McFaul, right. Um, So what Sarah suggested in that briefing was, and and the possibility hadn't really came up, you're right, it was hinted at in the thing, in the press conference, but Sarah says in the briefing that Trump was discussing at least you could say open to the possibility of letting russian intelligence question americans that putin felt had helped bill browder's quote unquote as the russian president said it crimes so so that's really extraordinary when the white house is you know discussing and not just immediately saying Hell no to the possibility that yep. Russian of intelligence could question Americans, which raises so many questions. Are we letting that happen in Russia? Can those Americans then be arrested? I mean, what are we what are we doing there? You know, I mean, when, when we're talking about people who've been at the center of politically motivated Russian prosecutions. Well, it, it, it it's all part of the what seemed to be Monday. Donald Trump just. Seeding authority, power, respectability, believability to Russia, and particularly to Putin. Yeah, so I mean, that, that, and that's why I really hinge on that one moment because it's right. like we're trying but, to say that that didn't happen, and in fact, we accidentally yeah. reveal that it happened even more than we could have imagined. So, so, so much, so much of this happened. I want to ask you about right. this. We get right there. That so much of this happened in what Donald Trump says was a two and a half hour meeting. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It was over two hours. I it guess was over two hours for sure. And where, interestingly, where there were just the two of them. Yeah. Okay. Now, I, I tried to get this question in yesterday and Jim Acosta sort of got to it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Is, is there a transcript of that session? What do we know? What, what do you think the answer is? What we know for sure is that Trump and Putin were there. Each of them had an interpreter right. who was with them. Right. Um, we do not know if there's any record. Um, a lot of people, including, I, I believe it was John Brennan, the, the former uh, CIA director, have raised the possibility that um, Putin taped this for right. his own intelligence I was purposes. just going to say, do you have any doubt that Putin taped that? I mean, I would expect that our side would would tape something like that as well. I would hope. Um, just for I would hope just for records and for lower level aides to analyze. But you know, de- the dem fever dream right now is let's let's get that translator. Let's bring her up to the hill and By get the her way, to which testify. Which I think is asinine. Yes, because it is the most a- any records we do have of this. Here's here's the bottom line: any records we do have of this would be the most obviously covered by exactly. 
uh, that there could be. There's yeah. no getting yeah. that woman right. to testify. There's no, no. getting the tape. No. Um, Plus, if people will know that FOIA, you can't even do Freedom of Information Act requests of White House records. So we're, we're not getting it. Plus, you know, that's, don't let Trump off the hook, right? I mean, and lay it on the in, interpreter and expect the interpreter who's doing her job to, re, you know, to remember everything that they discuss. No. I mean, I mean, I, don't, but, I wouldn't even expect Trump to remember everything they well, discussed. <laughs> I'm sure he doesn't remember everything they discussed. But if you if, let's go back to Monday, yeah. what really struck me with their opening statements is that Putin and I got my notes here from him, Putin mm-hmm. went down and he listed all the things that they talked about. Yeah. Oh, and when Trump got up, he just sort of blabbered right about how it's wonderful we have to talk. That's better than going to war. Blah blah blah. But I'm sure. Right. He didn't remember. And he certainly. But so God knows what he agreed to or gave away. Well, What's really interesting in the aftermath of this. And do meeting, our agencies, does the Pentagon know what the president agreed to on in Syria? What, what's really interesting, for example, is that we're seeing we saw a situation and, and you'll pardon me because with the European schedules, I'm not sure if it was this morning, Moscow time. Or, yeah, I'm right. not sure. In the past day, um, <laughs> Russia's ambassador to the U.S. met with American reporters in Moscow and rattled off a list of things that he said were discussed, including um, right. arms treaties, uh, yes. possible collaboration on Syria. And the American government is scrambling to either catch up or deny that any of that happened. And and I think, you know, part of that stems from, did Trump tell them what he agreed to? Does Is Trump clear on what he brought up? But the bottom line is, um, you know, I used to work with Olivier Knox, who um, spent, I think, 15 oh, years Olivier. at AFP. Great, yeah. great. He spent years at AP, AFP, and he was a uh, agence yes. France Presse. Um, and he was a, a veteran foreign correspondent. And he always taught me that after meetings like this, look at the readout. Because both sides will issue a readout, and sometimes the readouts will be different, and that will affect, that will reflect different assessments and um, goals from the meeting. But also, you always want to get your takeout first. And what we're seeing here is a situation where the White House hasn't really released a coherent readout. Russia's putting out a readout. So their version of the meeting is really what's taking over. Well, we have we haven't put out a, re- a readout because nobody knows what the hell happened. But the really. Russians seem pretty clear. <laughs> exactly. I, f- first of all, I am convinced that Putin taped it. Was probably wired. Um, I I bet the fortune on that. Um, and I'm hope I hope that we were too. But you, I'll tell you one other thing. I know happened is that after that meeting, Putin sat down with his people and said, "Here's what we here's what we got." Boom, 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 boom. Do you think Donald Trump sat down with Mattis or Pompeo or John Kelly or whatever and said, okay, here's what we discussed and here's what we agreed to? In other words, unpacked the meeting, you as know, we would say, right? One of the more— He's incapable of doing that. Well, one of the more famous analyses of Trump is that, you know, speaking to him will reflect the last person he spoke to. Yeah. So, you know, if if someone talks to him ahead of the me- a meeting and says, you know, climate change is a total joke. These liberals, they're trying to ream us. You know, you'll then talk to Trump and he'll say total hoax, you yeah. know, climate change. Um, but if Trump talked to an environmental activist who he hit it off with, he might start saying we need to save our beautiful parks. We have the most beautiful park system. He's very impressionable. Um, so I think it's very possible 
that you know he could come away from a meeting like this and this is a guy who's you know known not to like to read his briefings he does not delve mm -hmm. deep into specifics and he would be saying generalities um, much as we saw publicly with Singapore where, you know where he walked away and was saying great relationship with Kim Jong-un we're gonna make a lot of progress and then you know publicly North Korea's actions later didn't really reflect Trump's rosy assessment of the meeting so I, I think it's most likely you know Trump then turned to his aides and said we're making a lot of progress, a lot of new room yeah, for cooperation yeah. on Russia, and he was not clear with them at all on the specifics. But they've got to, so they've got to catch up again. Take Syria. I mean, this idea that we've agree, we've agreed now we're going to have do, do all this stuff together and work together uh, in Syria. I mean, Mattis doesn't know. I would imagine exactly what that means. What did he agree to? Well, are, are you ready for my scorching hot take, Bill? <laughs> I'm ready. Okay. This is this Hit is, me. Hit this, me. Is, this is one that was not my initial assessment of the meeting, but I have come away with this um, after spending much of this week talking to foreign diplomats, asking what mm. they think. Um, and they don't care. There there was not the level of alarm that I'm seeing among oh, our far. American politicians. Because wait, they really? Don't, is that wait, is that because they don't take Trump seriously? So Basically, they see a schizophrenia in our government where they've had normal interactions with lower level um, American mm -hmm. officials, including at the recent NATO and Atlantic Council meetings. Yeah. Um, they were very happy with the tough sanctions that we did in the wake of the chemical attack, uh, the chemical agent attack in the United Kingdom. Um, America's actions have been tough on Russia. They, they noted that we didn't see Putin get let back into the G7. We didn't see any public statement from the U.S. accepting Russia's annexation of Crimea. Um, all this traditional stuff um, has basically been in line and in ways tougher on Russia than before. Um, all of the communications from members of Congress are what they would hope to see. They're very confident mm -hmm. in Mattis. So, you know, in a so way, that's a positive thing, right? But in another way, you know, from what I'm hearing... Countries around the world are learning to ignore the American president. Yeah. No, I, I, I can buy that. I mean, and I think it is true. And uh, and I hope they're right in the sense that we can sort of survive having this crackpot at the top as long as the ship keeps sailing, you know, in the right direction. Well, you know, right? I, I think it's important. <laughs> you know, you were touching on this before when we talked about Don't Ask, Don't Tell. It's important yeah. for the American public as news consumers you know, Trump, he can be all consuming. He's going to send 15 yeah. tweets probably this morning. And we focus Already on has. that. We focus <laughs> on that. But, but right. watch the rest of the government. Watch the appointees. Watch the policy that's actually getting made and watch what's happening. Um, you know, and in some cases, it's, it's um, less traditional and more shocking than we might expect. And in other cases, you know, um, it, it, Obama's takeaway as he left office was famously, we're going to see the resiliency of American institutions. And yeah. You know, while we've right. seen some things like Mick Mulvaney comes in and completely tears down the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, yeah. in other senses, we've seen that no matter what Trump's running around saying on Twitter and on television, um, American foreign policy has stayed somewhat consistent. Right. Um, so the question um, you've written about tapes, <laughs> uh, and it. So I don't know whether you – do you want to tie it – I come back to the question, J 
John Lemire ask at, on Monday to, to Vladimir Putin? Do you have any compromising information on Donald Trump? Yeah. We did not get a denial from Vladimir Putin. We, we absolutely did not get a denial. So um, what do you know about tapes that are out there and Donald Trump's infatuation with tapes? Yeah, so, so um, my, my great editor, Jerry Adler, and I um, collaborated on a story uh, this week looking at, looking at basically, you know, Trump lies in audio tape, if you will. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, tapes have just loomed large in the Trump narrative um, for a very, very long time. Um, this is a guy who former staffers say used to tape the phone system at Mar-a-Lago, used to tape all of his calls. Um, Michael Cohen, Trump's former personal attorney, had a mm-hmm. reputation for taping calls. Um, <clears throat> so Trump used to use tapes as a weapon. Did Cohen tape tape his calls with Trump? Um, so there is um, there. It's an unclear. Cohen was known because to have they, taped, could, they could yeah. be killer tapes. Cohen right? was known to have taken a lot of calls. Yeah. The FBI seized a bunch of digital material from Cohen, um, mm-hmm. you know, thumb drives and the like. So whatever, if Cohen did make tapes, the FBI probably has it. Um, and, uh, you know, they could, be, you know, the question, I think, and, and much of the legal wrangling we've seen so far in the Cohen situation is attorneys for both Cohen and Trump trying to keep materials out of the government's hands because they could be covered by attorney-client privilege. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I would think that if Cohen did tape Trump, that stuff uh, probably won't be. come up in the trial yeah. because it would be covered by attorney-client privilege. Mm-hmm. All of that, of course, goes out the window if Cohen is cooperating. Yes. Um, but yeah, so you know, Trump and Cohen used to make all these tapes. Now, as you're saying, there's the potential that those Cohen tapes could be used against him. Yeah. Um, but then also, you know, this guy who liked to use tape as a weapon gets gets into office and, you know, he's quickly um, raising the possibility um, that there are tapes that once again will expose his enemies, as he used to sort of try to prepare to do back in his real estate career. Um, most famously, he did this with Jim Comey, where, you know, he said, maybe there, he tweeted, maybe there will be tapes of our mm. conversation where we discuss Flynn. Oh, right. Implying right. that... that. Yeah. Um, Tapes would prove that yeah. Comey's claim that Trump urged him to go easy on Flynn. Lordy, I hope there are tapes. Right. So Trump actually provoked that response, um, and the yeah. tapes never surfaced. So it was really interesting because you know Trump used to use tapes as a weapon, and then he starts raising this possibility that tapes will exonerate himself with Comey. Comey calls that bluff. And the tapes never surface, which makes me think that Comey's assessment was a little more yeah. uh, correct. So this then continues. You have Trump then make the so far demonstrably false claim that Obama wiretapped him. Those tapes never surfaced. Um, and then I think really one of my most favorites because it um, it was so blatantly like blatantly clear what had happened here. Um, Trump last week does this interview with The Sun where he sort of trashes Theresa May. Oh, yes, And then yes. he gets up on the press conference and he says, um, mm-hmm. you know, Sarah will provide you with tapes that show that this interview was fake news. Mm-hmm. So I immediately email Sarah and say, essentially, dear Sarah, Lordy, I hope there are tapes. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and amazingly, Sarah provides me with a statement blasting the interview, but doesn't give the tape. So again, we have a second incident where Trump is like, I am going to show you guys these tapes that exonerate me. Sarah will give them to you. And the tape is not there. 
But then the tape was there because the Sun released its own full audio right. of the interview right. that showed that it, Trump had said exactly what had been reported. And had not said what he said he said about Theresa May. Right. The so, good stuff that he said was there that nobody reported on was not th- there. There was a comment or two that was positive, but I think most accurately the interview questioned her leadership and her handling of Brexit. Yeah. And said... Boris Johnson would have made a great prime minister. All the all the most salacious elements were there, and nothing really changed. No context that really changed it. So now again, we have this whole long live history. by the tapes, die by the yeah, tapes. Trump, Trump, <laughs> Trump as mogul uses tape as a weapon. Trump as president threatens he will use tape as a weapon, and never seems to have the evidence exonerating himself. Then we get to this Putin. Meeting this secret yeah, meeting, right. and and you know you and I have been uh, kind of alluding to this several times in the conversation. Brennan and others have suggested that if Putin did tape Trump, any compromising or embarrassing thing, and obviously the the public remarks Trump made have been a huge problem for the White House. But Putin could, you know, Putin veteran KGB spy, and he actually used to be one. This is not me just characterizing him. He, he, he bragged about it at the news conference, right? Uh, he, said, I, he did. He, he said, did. after all, remember, I'm a former intelligence agent. <laughs> I know how this works. Yeah. Sorry, it's been a long, long month week. Um, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, you know, Putin, this veteran spy, likely would have, ta- I mean, tapes of the U.S. president speaking privately, that's a holy grail to journalists, to spies, to anybody. So Putin could have obtained that in this meeting. And as we've seen, Trump has difficulty not embarrassing himself when talking about the U.S.-Russia relationship, and God knows what Putin is in possession of. So, so we're sitting in this situation where, as you said, live by the tapes, die by the tapes. Trump has had this long preoccupation with tape, and now there's potential that a Putin tape, a Michael Cohen tape, all of that <laughs> could— Oh, and I, I haven't even brought up that, you know, obviously with the Christopher Steele dossier, this is the compromise oh, yeah. tapes. Yes. There's long been these rumors dogging Trump that Putin has already taped him, you know, doing— uh, I don't even know what don't, I don't, say on the don't, radio. No, 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 don't go there. Okay, yes. Right. Your listeners know about that tape. <laughs> the so there's, P, there, there's a lot the of potentially P, damaging the P tapes tape out there. Always, yeah, yeah. Okay. right. A nice sound effect, Peter. <laughs> Oh man, I'm telling you, it, it, it's it's just hard to keep up with, right? There's so much there. It, it's but. dizzying, and I'm just going to throw in one more note. You know, I hope people still are paying a little bit of attention to what's going on with um, child separation because this Russia stuff. Oh, oh yes. right, yes. that this, yes. this Russia stuff Good is point. really important. I don't fault anyone for yeah. covering it or paying attention to it, uh, but it's also important that yes. we still yeah. haven't we. Reunited all these families. I know, and it's important that we not uh, just keep running on from story to story to story and forgetting some important stuff um, that is going on. I I, I really don't know how to handle it as a reporter, frankly, because I I, had one moment, uh, the last White House briefing where I got a question in, I I asked about Puerto Rico um, and the casualties there. Um, Over a thousand people died. FEMA has admitted they handled it badly. At that moment, child separation was just starting to come out. 
and my editors and I literally had a meeting where we were debating which we would try to ask about. And there's no right answer in that situation. Mm, no. Puerto Rico's important. Separation's important. Putin's important. You we're all it. very busy. And something else is important. Supreme Court is important. Pema Levy from Mother Jones has been writing a lot about uh, Brett Kavanaugh. And she joins our conversation here with all of you and all of us. Hunter Walker, Bill Press, Pema Levy coming up quick break. We'll be right back. Take the Bill Press Show anywhere you go. Download our free podcast. Search for the Bill Press Show on iTunes and catch the highlights from every show. That's it. The Bill Press Show. Here we go. Wrapping up on a Thursday, Thursday, July 19. So good to see you today as we come to you live from our studio on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C., where we're brought to you today by the Smart Union. Uh, Yeah, they're the members of the Sheet Metal Air Rail and transportation workers put them all together smart union dash smart dash union.org is their website under the leadership of president joseph sellers salute them thank them for their support of the program uh, hunter walker here from yahoo news as a friend of bill for the entire hour and we welcome to the uh, conversation Pema levy from mother jones Pema, good to see you good to see you uh so you've been writing a lot about um one thing, Hunter, we were just talking about stories that kind of get lost, right? Uh, we get all excited about something, and then the next little the shiny object, shiny object comes along. <laughs> uh, we sort of forgotten about Brett Kavanaugh, which is just what a week or so ago that uh, we found out he's the president's nominee. Was a week ago a little, Monday, wasn't it? A little. Uh... Uh, I yeah. don't know about this pop quiz situation here. <laughs> no. It was a few weeks, I think. <laughs> as, as, in 2018, asking reporters in D.C. what time or day it is, is a really that's unfair, yeah. Bill. Okay, that's right. a gotcha question. But, you know, you would think that uh, there'd be so much attention to him, and I guess it will be again when the hearings start. But for now, he's disappeared. A little bit. Except a little for bit. you. You've been tracking him, <laughs> him, him down, particularly on, it looks like one of the vulnerabilities as far as the Democrats believe is his views on executive power. Yeah, I'm sure that for others that's a strength, but uh, for Democrats, I think that's certainly something that's worrying. And I think you have to look at the context of this, of course, which is that you have a president who is nominating someone to the Supreme Court, who, who at the same time is under investigation, and there are some serious live questions about how the president is required to cooperate with that investigation, whether or not he needs to respond to a subpoena. Um, you know, and then further or not, whether or not he can be indicted. And so you have someone who's nominating someone to the court who could potentially then decide the future of this investigation. Uh, And so that's where you have, you know, questions about executive power that I think are already sort of hot issues um, for the Supreme Court. And this is one area where Kavanaugh has actually a paper trail, correct? Absolutely. He has a very strong paper trail and sort of a strong history here. Um, he was famously a big part of the star investigation of President Clinton and therefore um, in that time was very big on holding presidents accountable and submitting them to investigation. Um, then he had his uh, famous change of heart um, a few years ago where he said, you know what, actually after having worked in the Bush administration, um, I see how difficult difficult it is to be president, all of the things you have to figure out and decisions you have to make and being under investigation is just it's just too difficult. We just can't put that on a president. And so he, um, you know, sort of did this famous 180 and said that he doesn't think that um, that that presidents should be under investigation, that that should come after their presidency. And then finally, um, 
what he said in 2016 that we learned yesterday is he basically said that he didn't agree with um, legislation that actually has currently expired, but basically um, legislation that allowed us an independent counsel. So Mueller is not an independent counsel. He's a special counsel. Special, yeah. yeah, it's sort of these words well, that we all sort of mixed up, but they are a little bit different. An independent counsel has more authority. But if you don't believe there can be an independent counsel, do you believe there can be a special counsel? And we don't know the answer for, for Kavanaugh on where but, he comes down there. But Hunter, this could all come to a head soon, right? Because if, if Trump, Trump, in his interview with Jeff Glor from CBS yesterday, said, I still want to meet with Mueller, you know, and then he went on to the whole thing as a witch hunt, blah, 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 blah. But he still says, I want to meet, but they haven't agreed to meet. And if he doesn't, then Mueller could issue a subpoena. And then the issue is, does the president have to respond? And that's one that would go to the Supreme Court. And Kavanaugh would have to well, vote. Well, forget, forget even just the question of a Mueller interview. I mean, you know, ultimately, Mueller is operating within Donald Trump's Justice Department. And, you know, Trump theoretically could completely try to you know, fire or stop Mueller, mm-hmm. right, which would most certainly uh, go to the Supreme Court. And um, as Pemmel was alluding to, there's this there's this video that came out of Kavanaugh talking um, in front of a conservative group where he said on camera that he would, quote, he, he was asked to identify any ruling he might over, overturn, and he cited the one that, you know, allowed for independent counsels and said he would, quote, put the nail in it. Um, and I think what's what's interesting um, that I've seen is that, you know, I was up on the Hill last week talking to um, some folks and Democrats were basically saying this guy's a lock. There's nothing that we can do um, that's going to you know, bring this down. I mean, I, I, I heard one aide saying, you know, short of uh, like a, a sex scandal, this guy was getting in. Um, and, and at the time, it seemed like the the argument Democrats were most making against Kavanaugh was that Roe was under threat. Um, But I think that, you know, with the emergence of some of this long record that Kavanaugh could be an opponent to Mueller, you're seeing Democrats turn to that a little bit. And I think they are a little bit more optimistic um, that that can put pressure on some of these swing votes um, who are Mm -hmm. key in the confirmation. Is that your read, Pema? Yeah, I think that's probably right. I don't think Roe is going to fade too much. Um, you know, I think that that's still the play for someone like um, Lisa Murkowski or Susan Collins. Um, and I don't think that those will be easy gets for Democrats, um, but I don't think that Democrats are going to write them off. So I definitely think Roe, I'm sure you agree, will be a big part of this. Um, but yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, if there's a calculation that making this about the Russia investigation and not for nothing, um, that it could come into play here, um, you know, there could be like real results, as you said, on that front. Um, I definitely think that that will be something that that comes up. That and may- I, I think there's still one important caveat. I mean, even with all this, I think, you know, I, I don't think Democrats are super, you know, in private optimistic about their ability to knock this nomination down. But, you know, we are seeing sort of the contours of a of, of this becoming part of the strategy. Right. But uh, the the executive power, uh, the uh, whatever, uh, the special counsel executive, sorry, that may be something that uh, Joe Manchin could use uh, for, for voting against Kavanaugh. Right. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it expands beyond the initial Rose strategy. Right. Um, a, it's still, you know, Collins and Murkowski um, were seen as the initial swing votes because they mm-hmm. had sort of 
uh, re, you know, relative well, to other well, I'm, Republicans. I'm more worried about the red state Democrats. Than <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no. So, so the you know the the key votes here, are the sort of three you know blue dog slash red state Democrats um, who backed Gorsuch. Um, and then also you have Collins and Murkowski, who are Republicans who have, you know, expressed relatively pro-choice positions. Um, so, you know, the basically the two main tools now to look at that group of five um, are the idea that Roe's under threat um, and, um, you know, the executive privilege, the um, independent counsel thing. Um, I think also, you know, let's not forget that John McCain is kind of hanging in the wind here, we, we don't know how healthy he is, but, you know, um, if he comes in and casts a vote, it could be very interesting. Um, and, you know, with this Russia investigation thing, that's that's one of the ones where if he was in good enough health, you could see McCain do one of his, you know, dramatic fly in from treatment to um, impact the vote there as well. Right. Uh, you mentioned Roe. We've mentioned um the executive authority. Isn't health care another one that people are kind of focusing on? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean... As a third, maybe, <laughs> flank here. Yeah, I mean, there are a couple... You know, <laughs> the Affordable Care Act has already been before the Supreme Court, and it's sort of hung on by a thread. It was, you know, thanks chopped to, away at a little bit. <laughs> thanks to John Roberts. <laughs> a lot, actually. Yes, exactly, yeah. exactly. But um, absolutely, I think that there are um, serious <laughs> questions that uh, a court where... Well, I think that Kavanaugh has some views that would make him very that make him very skeptical of regulation um, and rulemaking and sort of the power of the federal government, um, not necessarily the president in certain ways, but but of the government. And so I think that he would definitely be a voice um, to strike down or gut uh, the Affordable Care Act. Um, I have to add that Kennedy was also a vote, um, at least uh, in the first Obamacare case, to throw out the law. So, um, you know, it's not exact. That's not quite the row situation where you're um, replacing someone who's for it with someone who's against it. But um, he's definitely been, you know, incredibly skeptical of uh, deferring to the government um, on agency rulemaking and all sorts of things that um, will start to come up in uh, Obamacare cases if he's on the court. Uh, I was struck yesterday uh, at the briefing, yet again, uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders uh, attacked Democrats for blocking all of Donald Trump's judicial nominees, you know, as if... And the fact that the reality is they've got more people on the federal bench, right, in a faster amount of time than, like, any other president, any other in recent history. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's a... That's a they keep attacking the Democrats. They attack, I, they're such obstructionists. I don't know what her standard would be for not obstructing, because they don't have to... Is it that they have to vote for them? Is that her standard? Because they have no actual tools to block these people. They don't have the Besides votes, and they don't the ske- time of debate. On they the don't floor. schedule the votes. They can't block this. I mean, Mitch McConnell puts them up, and they get well, confirmed. I, I also love the whole all, all the Republicans who are like Democrats should you know vote on the president's nominee for the Supreme Court and give him a fair hearing as though we all amnesia'd Merrick Garland and don't remember when they did the exact opposite and did it quite successfully. But that was different. (laughs) (laughs) That's what they say. That was different because that that was a presidential year. But, you know, I, th- I think the, the health care stuff you're bringing up is really interesting because, um, you know, in terms of the Trump administration's legislative efforts, we saw them get blocked on health care. 
um, and the efforts to repeal Obamacare. And I think, you know, there are a lot of consultants and operatives making the point that um, Dems have one of their most potent weapons and, the, and uh, you know, independent segments of the public are more on their side on this health care stuff than um, some of the other issues. Certainly, you know, the, the Russia probe is, you know, I think there's a political downside to maybe focusing too much on Russia rather than these bread and butter economic issues where, you know, the public actually does seem to be receptive. The so, polls that I've seen, I don't know about whether you concur, Pam, is that uh, across the country, if you ask people what's the number one issue you're concerned about, I mean, healthcare is right up there, number one or number two. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right? And in Virginia, I think those 15 seats that were picked up for Virginia that was shown in Virginia, the number one issue was the Affordable Care Act. Yeah. I mean, you still have states fighting over their Medicaid expansions and yes. that's on the, the, the ballot in places. And then you have, um, you know, I mean, you have. Uh, Claire McCaskill, who's, you know, one of these red state Democrats trying to hold on to her seat. And she's, you know, fighting on health care. Like, that's what she's going back to her people and saying, I'm working on lowering drug prices for you and stuff. So there's all sorts of facets of the health care issue. Um, but I don't think that Republicans really have the upper hand there. And if you put the Supreme Court fight in the context of Republicans are still trying to gut your your health care um, I think that could be a strong message. Yeah, and I don't know what you're seeing, but I think, you know, the way we laid it out before is is pretty accurate. Like, as of now, healthcare is kind of the tertiary move that Democrats have in sort of their strategy to block this confirmation. And, you know, it goes against conventional wisdom because healthcare, healthcare policy is super unsexy. And, you know, Russia, you know... It, Right. Going back to the days of coat hangers with Roe, that stuff is way more dramatic. But but I think there is an argument I'm hearing bubbling around out there that, you know, Dem strategy is stupid not to focus more on health care. Well, it impacts everybody yeah, in a I way that the Russian relations don't. Uh, we were talking a little bit earlier about um, compromat and. Um, <laughs> oh, OK. Yeah. And as I recall, um Mother Jones and David Korn is the one who first broke the story about the Clinton-Christopher Steele dossier, correct? Yeah, that's yes. correct. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So when are we going to see the tape? <laughs> <laughs> Peter, where's our sound effect? <laughs> that's right. Peter was texting. Bring it on, Peter. <laughs> so, Thank you. Uh, yes. <laughs> he really did have a sound effect ready, didn't he? Yeah, we did. <laughs> I needed that. Sorry. I needed that. Um, yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that was so interesting about this past week is... After Trump's performance in Helsinki on on this, you know, at the press conference in front of the whole world, which came right after a meeting in which no one knew what happened. Right. Um, no all of a sudden still knows you had. Right, right. Totally. Uh, you ha all of a sudden have a lot of people, mostly, you know, Democrats here, but but other people, too, sort of being like, wow, you know, he's acting like they like Putin really does have something on him. You know, I've heard, we that don't from know, so, I've heard that from it, so many people so since Monday. Everybody says, oh, my God, Putin must have something. <laughs> how, how else could you explain Donald Trump's, you know, being right there and having the opportunity to say something tough, just totally caving in? Yeah, I mean, I I um, I would love to fast forward to the part where we figure out all of this stuff. Um, I, we'll get there someday. I have a hard time. In our lifetime? Maybe not. <laughs> I hope so. Um, 
I don't know if there if there is a P tape and how much of that actually would be. You know, there's a lot of reporting that you know Trump is very perturbed by the idea that people believe this is true. I mean, the man's a germaphobe. He really wants, right, right, yeah. right? As he says, he's like, really, I couldn't. It couldn't be the P tape. I am a germaphobe. Um, but then there are a lot of other damaging things that Putin could have on him, and we talk about all of the you know financial yeah. ties and yeah. stuff. And I think that that. That stuff is is ultimately more interesting than whether or not there was something. I, I don't know if it's more interesting, <laughs> but, but you know, I, I think that's a very smart point to bring up. I mean, the the, the tape, and I'm I'm waving for my sound effects right now. The the tape may or may not exist. This dossier, nothing's really been refuted, but it's all unproven. But we do have a lot of documented, interesting financial activity. These these Russian figures, some of them with checkered pass paying cash for Trump condos, which is effectively money-changing hands. Um, I think I've talked to you in here about the fact that I you know, I think it's widely under-discussed that um, Mueller seems to be focusing on um, Michael Cohen's efforts to get Trump Tower built in Moscow, which um, yeah. I reported yeah. went on far longer than Cohen or Trump ever acknowledged. So there, you know, while oh, the yeah. while the you... tape may be the white whale for, you know, conspiracy theorists out there, and while it's really fun to discuss and play sound effects about, um, there there is all this stuff, these ties that are documented, confirmed, and we know about, um, and they're almost compromising on their face, and and they're extremely interesting. Right, yeah. and they, they they basically go back. I, I don't know the date, but basically, Trump went into bankruptcy four times. At which point, he wasn't really able to loan from American banks, and the Russians came in and started providing them cash. Donald Jr. Is on the record then right. as saying yeah. we I don't have any Eric, problems because Don? I think yeah. it was Donald Jr. We don't. Have, yeah. I'm paraphrasing. We don't have it any might problems have been Eric, because I'm not sure. I think it was Donald. But anyhow, the, he's paraphrasing. He said we don't have any problems with this downturn in the economy because the Russian money just keeps yeah. flowing. Yeah. In. A lot of our sources of money yeah. come from Russia. Yeah. And, yeah, and right. one thing for for viewers mean? to keep in mind, you know, yes, you're, you're making half the point right there. You know, nothing gets done in this, you know, strongman world of right. modern Russia without Putin's seal of approval. And people should also keep in mind that essentially Putin's government is interlinked with Russian organized crime. I mean, this is essentially a mafia strongman state. So doing any extensive business with them opens you up to all sorts of potential compromat um, and all sorts of unseemly doings. And we do know that there's been a long record of business between the Trump organization there's, and Russia. There's one thing I think that should be mentioned, actually, that was really striking, I thought, in that Helsinki press conference was when one of the reporters asked Putin specifically, do you have um, compromat on Trump? And he sort of like laughed and said, oh, no, I've heard those rumors. But, you know, when Trump was in Moscow in 2013. I didn't even know who he was. I didn't know he, he was mm -hmm. there. So first of all, he's basically saying, if it had happened, it would have been ordered by me. It couldn't have happened without me, which is a weird thing to say. Mm -hmm. And two, we have every indication that Putin absolutely knew that Trump was there, well, well, that they well. were trying to broker a meeting yes. the whole time, are, are, that he sent one of his deputies to be with Trump that night, or that, yeah, at yeah. the Miss Universe um, but, and, contest. And Trump bragged about all the, 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 the I, outreach. So our our colleagues, da Putin David Korn of Mother Jones and Mike Isakoff uh, of Yahoo, teamed up on this book, yes, Russian Roulette, right. Right. and they extensively documented all of the communications that occurred between the Trump side and the Putin side during this 2013 during that, Miss Universe pageant. Yes, yes. It is not credible for Putin to say he didn't know Trump was there. In fact, the two of them have written that you know Putin was supposed to show up backstage until the last minute, sent a personal gift to, to Trump, and then amazingly 
recently this week, Mike, uh, my colleague, was tweeting about this and showing off, um, you know, photos of pages from the book where they detailed just how much communication there was. And Rob Goldstone, remember Rob Goldstone? Oh, my God. Yeah. How did forget? Yeah, the crazy publicist with the giant yeah. flower jewelry. Who set up the... the- Trump Trump Rob Goldstone right. jumped in on Twitter to say something up to the effect of, yeah, Putin knew Trump was there. I was there at the time, too. He did? Yeah. So this yeah. is amazing. It, it, so again, like the idea that, that Putin, who's a, obviously a smooth operator, for yeah. whatever reason, went straight into a total lie, which was not needed at all. I mean, I feel like it's the kind of thing where when you're, you're asked something and you know something else is the answer— and then you just sort yeah. of like blank and give this really bad answer that makes people look at you with even more. But scrutiny. then he also, then he also. I, I, it was so a weird it, moment. It was a weird moment, and then he made the kind of uh, bad joke about like those five hundred businessmen that came to this meeting in St. Petersburg. Do you really think that we would have tried to get compromising information on all five of them? Ha 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 ha! Yes, is the answer. <laughs> is he like yeah. winking at them at the same as time? As many of I them mean, as right. you I mean, could. It's, right. It sounds yes. insane, but there's a long playbook um, of Russian spycraft. And again, as we were saying earlier, this is the world Putin comes from. He's a former spy. You know, they are known for having, you know, wired hotels, um, honey pots. This woman, Maria Butina, (laughs) um, who just got indicted. Uh, I mean, these terms exist because this happens. She was, uh, you know, attempting to sleep with various different people to extract information. They're known to film these encounters. This is this is something that exists. And it sounds crazy to talk about. And, you know, like, but, but but one that I always point to when we talk about Russian propaganda, they had a department of agitprop. It was official. It was codified. <laughs> and with that note, all right. Let's end on agitprop. <laughs> end on agitprop. Hey, Pam, it's great to see you. Good to be here. Motherjones.com and Yahoo. Yahoo News? Yes. Dot com. I'm also a Yahoo, but that's a separate thing. Right. Have a good one, folks. See you tomorrow. <laughs>